the path doesn't have to be straight. We have enough information that we can Value courage. You're listening to the We Get Real AF podcast, exploring the future with trailblazing women and girls in emerging tech, XR, AI, and futurism. Science and technology are reshaping our world at lightning speed. Engage in conversations that'll spark your curiosity and challenge what you thought possible. Inventing tomorrow starts now. And here are your hosts, Vanessa Alava and Sue Robinson. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Vanessa Alava. And I'm Sue Robinson. Please take a moment to subscribe to the show, leave us a comment, and rate us. So for those of you that don't know, Sue likes to use clever and pithy quotes all the time. And one of those is, rising tides raise all ships. And I believe what? That's John F. Kennedy, Sue? Is that the... (laughs) Could be. (laughs) Anyway, today's guest serves as a great role model on how to be that rising tide. Franny Matthews is currently the president and CEO of the Colorado Technology Association. And she'll be talking about the ways in which she builds relationships, connects women in tech, and the importance of bringing women together and the global effort to lift each other up. So really excited to have Franny with us today, Sue. Yeah, me too. And actually, she has some really great tips and practical advice for women in tech careers, whether you're just starting out or whether you're midlife. So we're excited to share that with you guys. Here we go. Franny, welcome to WeGraph. Welcome. Thank you, Sue and Vanessa. Nice to be here. We are so excited to have you today. Before we jump in, how can our listeners connect with you online? If you go to coloradotechnology.org, that is our website. That's the easiest way. And Or FM Franico on Twitter. Awesome. So talk to us about the Colorado Tech Association, its mission, and what the organization does for the tech community in your state. We are a 26-year-old nonprofit membership-based organization, and we started to support small um, software companies, and we've expanded to uh, help the ecosystem for the entire tech community. And really, our mission is to ensure that tech thrives in Colorado. I'm passionate about this because, as we all know, we all organizations are going through digital transformation, and a really strong tech-based economy is a really strong economy. And a really strong economy brings good jobs, and good jobs um, raises people's um, lives above in a higher level of Maslow's hierarchy and needs, and that's where I come from. So. Um, you know, we work in several different areas. We work in just bringing the community together, whether it's networking and just having that, you know, collaboration or whether it's clearly just business development. Uh, we also work in the areas of uh, economic development and work to bring more employers that have a tech centric bent into Colorado. Um, we work on talent because that's really a gating factor for tech to grow uh, we look at it both from the long term and the short term on uh, working with organizations to upskill and also to bring in new talent into Colorado. And then the last thing we do is we work on policy. We are not a lobbying organization. We are a voice of tech. And um, so we work a lot with our state legislators as well as um federal legislators on what's good for ensuring that we have a great ecosystem for tech. 
Franny, I have a question on that second pillar about bringing jobs in. Where are you seeing the greatest need for jobs? What types of tech jobs do you do you see being wide open and needing a lot more people? Well, in the in the in the usual areas where you'd think, you know, uh, programming, we hear Java, Java, Java all the time. Uh, uh, from a um, you know discipline area, cybersecurity. Uh, there, there's just not enough. And unfortunately, that is not a very diverse area either. Uh, we need more women in uh, cybersecurity. And I, I passionately believe that because of problem solving, you, you want a diverse way of looking at things. Um, and then also uh, in data, data analytics, uh, lots of need. And then you look at each one of those disciplines and there's a stack. If um, I've said this many times, if you take a very talented, um, highly skilled uh, data analyst or data scientist, and then uh, have them cleansing data or writing reports, you're going to lose them. And so you need to have a stack of skills to support higher level jobs. And these are all good paying jobs. Same with cybersecurity. What are some of the efforts that uh, Colorado Tech has enabled for diversity and inclusion within the state? Well, you know, one of the things that we do is that we look at what we do specifically, and that's our core. And then we have other organizations that we partner with, and that's like the next you know, area out, and then we'll lend voice. And so we've got a lot of uh, work being done. We do um, a tremendous job with women in tech, and I really would like to see us doing more uh, with other um groups that are underrepresented in tech. Um, From a long-term perspective, we um, do work with, we we do a program called SheTech, and we bring young women in that are freshmen in high school and show them what tech jobs are available. And we specifically target um, high schools that um, are not necessarily have the curriculum that would give them um, you know, the exposure that, you know, would be helpful for them to make a decision to go into tech. What are some of the um, aha moments for like those young women who who are coming in and learning about tech jobs? Just unpack that for us. Like, do they come with a certain preconceived notion like, oh, I've got to be a math person or or they can't really see themselves in a tech role and then something changes their mind about that. What is that thing? I think it's it, it it's the broad view of what's available. Kind of to your point, you know, you you don't have to be a coder or you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of jobs that are not entrenched with deep math skills with, you know, five units of of calculus. There are areas different areas to explore. One of the things that we worked on and I loved that we did last year was that we had a uh, aerospace engineer come in who uh, also happened to be a Broncos cheerleader. And her message was just awesome. She had had danced, you know, her entire life. And, you know, she loved both fields. She was just, um, just a really brilliant, vibrant woman. And it was really cool to hear her message of that authenticity that, you know, if you, if you're thinking of, a rocket scientist in your brain as a freshman high school uh, girl, you're probably not thinking that it's a Broncos cheerleader. Exactly. So kind of like block busted assumptions. 
I love that. I love breaking out those, um, breaking out of those confined ideas of what it is to be feminine, right? Exactly. And it's, and it's empowering. Mm-hmm. 100%. There's always these uh, stigmas. And I think obviously we talk about this a lot, how Hollywood and media uh, perceive different characters and roles in the movies and TV shows that we watch and um, seeing people break those molds and, and you know, just change the narrative. It, it's time is beyond time. <laughs> <laughs> it Legally Blonde did a lot for that. Yes, mm-hmm. you're right. Yeah. And we love Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. I mean, she, she's fantastic. She does a lot to um, amplify the, the voices of women as well. Oh, we could do a whole show on Reese Witherspoon. I mean, how she just kind of, okay, this isn't working for me. I'm not getting the parts. Let me go make the parts myself. Exactly. Hey, yeah. Reese, if you're out there That's listening, right. <laughs> we welcome the opportunity Contact to us. have that conversation. A hundred percent. So, Franny, tell us about how you got into tech, because I am guessing that when you were in college, uh, there weren't a lot of women doing the kinds of things and, and following the career path that you've followed. So tell us about how you got into this space. Yeah. Now I'm, I, I'm interesting from a, I love math and I've never, I've never had a truly math centric job, but I always was good at math. And so I was, I loved statistics in, in college and um, I had a marketing degree. So I wound up um, doing marketing and then quickly moved into sales. And I just happened to get a job with a company called Micros, which is now part of Oracle. And it was a POS system. It was a, you know, the first generation you know, electronic cash register. And um, I, I really loved the connection of what it was going to do for business. And um, so, you know, I, that was, that was the beginning of it. And then from there, I just moved uh, along and I got to admit, I didn't have a plan. You know, it's like, okay, I got that job. Now I can get this job. Now I can get that job. But I didn't, I wasn't looking at the end game. And probably until I would say probably my late twenties um, that I started to do that. And, you know, I don't know. I, I think that's probably common that we, in our twenties and I, that exploration is probably good too, because I think I, that was probably more beneficial to explore and not be, you know, already, you know, on a path, but um I, I went where my my desires went. I think that there's actually wisdom in not necessarily locking yourself in early on in your career because so many of these jobs, especially in emerging technology, are new, right? And they haven't even been fleshed out yet when you come out of college. So kind of keeping your eye on the horizon and being open to entering new fields, I think is wise. I think it was just that I was just disorganized. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go with wise and didn't realize it. <laughs> it's funny because you're seasoned, you have a lot of wisdom, you're, you're being recognized. And I want you to touch on that um, a little later on the show for your accolades and your contributions in, in this field. But for the generation that you were brought up in, not having a path was kind of scary at the time and not really um, instilled in, in, in young women. So you were kind of like breaking the mold there. And then he says something that really touched me, Um, you know, that you were, you were taking each opportunity as the next stepping stone for whatever came next, which a lot of men and women in that generation, that era were thinking, 
hey, what job can I get into and stay in and have it take care of me for years at a time? So people weren't doing what they do now is like your approach. Exactly. Of like, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to hone my skills and then use it as a stepping stone for the next gig. One thing I always did was when I didn't understand something, I would figure out who would help me. And I, or, or another way of figuring it out. I mean, uh, I was later on, I was uh, working in telecommunications and um, selling to telecommunications. I understood IT, but I didn't understand the network. And I had a, a client say, why don't you pick up this class? And uh, so I did, and it was on telecommunications management. It was the introduction, and I wound up getting a master's in it. And so uh, because it was fascinating, and I also saw that it was a growing field. And so that turned out, that's always been beneficial to me is like when I don't understand something is figure it out. And I've always found that if you do your homework, you'll find somebody that will mentor you and help you. You just don't, you know, their time is valuable. So don't ask the same question over and over again, you know, ask the next harder questions. So Franny, that kind of leads nicely into my next question is, which is what tips for women starting out in technology careers today do you have? I think, first of all, I think humility is really important, but it's a fine edge. And on the other side of that coin can be imposter syndrome. And you got to kick that guy off your shoulder. Uh, it'll wham, 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 wham all the time. And I still, ha- you know, I will still have that happen to me. And I have to go talk to myself about it or talk to my sister who will tell me that, that's ridiculous. Get rid of imposter syndrome. And along with that, it has been so important to me to have women, uh, you know, associates that I have a great relationship with that also, if you haven't knocked imposter syndrome off your shoulder, they will. Um, I also would say, um, and this has to do with the cultural um, issues and you know, just just being treated well in your jobs. If you're not being treated well, go. If, you know, I mean, don't be rash about it. Um, figure out what is going on and see if it's something that you need to work on. But if you feel like no matter what you do, you're not going to be appreciated, you should look for something else. It's just um, life's too short and that you're not going to fix other people's biases. Amen. That is great advice. Yeah, absolutely. But, but in order to do that, you got to be really good. You can't be, oh gosh, I can't get another job. Keeping your skills up is how you give yourself choice to do that. Very That's smart advice. advice. Hey everybody, Sam McLean here from InPhase Audio, audio producer and editor for the We Get Real AF podcast. I'm so glad to be a part of this podcast, encouraging women and girls to step into emerging technologies and celebrating the accomplishments of those who do. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at McLean Sounds or check out my website, inphase.biz. Thanks for listening. You mentioned having um, women in your life and and having this um, support system of women. Can you talk a little bit about your personal slash professional role in connecting women in tech and being a part of this, you know, what we like to call like a global movement of lifting and empowering other women? Well, at 
Colorado Technology Association, we've got a pretty robust program around women in tech. And we um, we have a, a conference and we've been doing that for eight years. And we it, normally it's in-person, one-day retreat style. And we have a combination of speakers. And then we sit around a table and talk about professional issues or, you know, kind of get coaching uh uh, peer and a table lead. And we're going to transition that to digital. And I actually think it's going to transition really well. Then we have programming, like we have something called the woman R, which it's a at lunch time where we'll bring in a speaker or group of speakers and talk on a particular subject that has to do with women in tech. Uh, and that's been very popular and that's been um, virtual for a very long time. And we usually get about 120 women calling in for that. It, it's cool because it's created a network because people are meeting each other in the community through this. And that's been probably one of the coolest things about what we've do, done with our women's programming is so many women have now have an ecosystem that they wouldn't have had otherwise. I like to do a lot of mentoring of early career women. And when I think of mentoring, I look at it as more of a peer, an intergenerational discussion. It's not a tops down because my experience is so different from what they're experiencing now and what they will experience. And so it's a learning for both of us um, or all of us. And what has been really exciting is that I've mentored uh, quite a few college and then early career women, and then introduced them. And it is so cool when you see them helping each other. That, I mean, that just makes me, it blows my mind. It's so exciting. And I, I had an experience with two women that I knew I connected because one of them was really good with case studies. And she just said, oh, that case study is not going to make it. You're not going to get the job. Here's what you need to do. The other woman got it. And it made a huge jump in her career when she got that job. And it's like, yes, that's what I want to see. Women are so powerful when we join forces and lift each other up, you know? Yeah. Exactly. And I love that you recognize going in, even with all of your experience, that you're talking to, you know, someone who is looking up to you as a mentor, but you recognize that, hey, my experiences are different than your experiences just because of the time in our lives. I think that's huge. So I applaud you for that because not many people can get out of their heads with the experience that they may have over someone else. Well, and, you know, uh, I was talking to um, a couple of women and my sister was with me and we had this great conversation and my sister and I got in the car and we're like, did we get, did we give up? I mean, they were so vibrant and so, you know, charged the hill and the two of us started laughing. It's like, did we just give up? Oh, we got to get more passionate again. <laughs> Not at all. Your no, personality, you are way passionate and forward thinking for that. <laughs> yes. But you raise a really good point, Franny. Um, for women who are not in their 20s, for women who are in their 40s and 50s and beyond, how do we engage them in discussions about technology? Because the reality is that, especially with emerging technologies, things like artificial intelligence, data privacy, we are all very much impacted by that. And we want to encourage mature women with mature voices and life experience to, to be part of that conversation. And I think particularly for women in that season of life, even more so than men, there's a reticence to even go there. 
right? And to try to understand these technologies and to engage in the conversation. How do we address that audience? We have got to stop looking at education and skill building in the way that we have in the past. It's not, I get a college degree and then I go and I'm going to get on the job training. It's it's not enough. And great companies have great training programs that you've got to chart a path for yourself. And it's never too late. I have a lot of friends that uh, upskilled and reskilled in the middle of their career. And there's, there's inexpensive ways to do it. I am a huge believer in MOOCs, uh, massively open online courses. So, you know, I, I like Coursera, uh, the stuff that's, that is uh, on LinkedIn, LinkedIn Premium. There at LinkedIn Learning has some incredible courses. Um, so whatever it is, it's a dedication. And I do it every day. I, you know, minimum, I'll do 15 minutes of something that I don't know something about. Uh, but I try to get at least an hour a day of either reading or doing a class or something that I feel like I need to do. And that's just the way it is. Um, you, we, you have to, it's, it's like brushing your teeth. I it's love so that. important. Mm. It's a practice to keep your brain as you know engaged and giving go giving it exercise and and oxygen to breathe. So I, I continue learning and just stay curious. Just always stay curious. It's hard from a, a time perspective. Yes. Um, Ooh, yes. <laughs> my kids were little. That was it. I was working and I was raising children. And so I, I wasn't doing a bunch of that, but it's better than binge watching, although it isn't quite as zenning as binge watching. Right. Netflix, Netflix and chill. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, now that we're all in this great pause, it does seem like a great time for us to all upskill, right? And to learn about new things and to to stop and, and look for those classes online and other places um, and just become a better version of ourselves by learning about what's out there that we maybe wouldn't have taken time to learn before. So whether that be MOOCs or podcasts are great. That's a podcast about anything and everything. And you can learn so much. And to your point that like 15 minutes, if that's all you have, you can find a podcast. And just even if it's a show that's an hour long, you listen 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there, and you learn something new every day. Yeah, I do uh, audio books on it while I walk. Yep. I really love that. And if they're really good, I'm like, you know, tripping over bushes while I'm, oh, bookmark that book. <laughs> it's just, um, you know, it, it has to be ritualized. And one of the reasons that people don't get as much out of MOOCs is that it's easy to quit. And so um, I've also taken some with other friends. So we've got a community and it keeps you accountable. Well, with that spirit of like learning something new every day, we have yet to have a guest uh, talk about blockchain. And I know as we were hopping on to this uh, call to do the, the podcast show, we, um, we were talking about how do we integrate this? So fun <laughs> facts about blockchain. Do you want to get into that with us, Franny? Yeah. <laughs> tie it back around to talking about early career, because if I were, you know, uh, 23 years old and, you know, what, what area would I want to get into? and really become a subject matter expert, I would set my sales for understanding data and really being data literate and then understanding supply chain. Um, And I see um, 
blockchain as being an incredibly important part of that, mostly from a distributed ledger perspective. I think we got kind of off onto the side with blockchain because we got so focused on cryptocurrency. But the reality is that the technology affords um, really a, a strong tracking um, of of the supply chain and providence and um, you know really uh, being able to document that what whatever that thing is is that thing if that makes sense yes uh, and and it is a jumping off point for you know kind of connecting the idea of digital twins so and what I mean by digital twin like the digital representation and it could be the digital representation of me uh, which it is my entire footprint as well as you know my health records my financial records my my um you know skills the whole representation that you can put into a you know could be my avatar but you think about it on anything it could be a machine on a factory floor it could be a head of lettuce um you know we have had food um, safety issues where we take every head of lettuce off the shelves. In reality, um, it was one farm that was downhill from a bunch of cows and we need to take those heads of lettuce off. And so that's what, you know, blockchain and, and distributed ledger, those are the kinds of applications that are going to just make huge difference in supply chain. And we saw it with PPE. We were flat-footed because of being able to find where things are in the market. And that's where I think that it's going to be really cool because we'll have this distributed web and it, we won't be dependent on, you know, one supplier, one country, one area of the world. It'll be all over. Um, and that'll, that'll be market efficiency. So before we jumped on our live recording, um, you had this great analogy for people who are not familiar with blockchain that I thought was a really good visualization of what we're talking about at a very, very high level. So share that with us right now so our listeners can, can hear that. There's the idea of proof of work. If you're tracking a transaction that you've got others that are validating, yes, that in fact happened. And I use the analogy, and this is a very simple analogy. If I'm standing in a crowd outside and I'm screaming, the, the, the sky is purple, the sky is purple, the sky is purple, and I don't have anything that would back that up. And everybody else is going, uh-uh, it's blue. That's how it, it, the validation is, you know, lots of other sources saying, yep, that's what happened. So that's a very simple, but it, it works in my brain. So. I love that. Sometimes it's taking these really complex technological ideas and just breaking them down into the simple, like the whole point of this is just proof, right? It's, it's just yeah. to document. I think Bitcoin came out in 2009 and then Ethereum was 2016. They're babies. I mean, when you think about the technology, we're going to have leaps in the next three to five years. We're going to see leaps in this technology. One of the things that's a problem is that the proof of work is really laborious and becomes really big and onerous um, on compute. But that's that's in the works of being fixed now uh, on going a different direction for validation. And another thing, you know, when you mentioned the digital twins, I think 
from time to time on our shows, we talk about data privacy and why does it matter? And I, I think for our listeners, understanding that all those little pieces of data, all those little pieces of yourself that are out there um, through our devices, through our financial accounts, through the memberships that we have in social organizations, through our business transactions, all those things can be amalgamated into a digital twin of you. And then it becomes a matter of how do you secure that? How do you secure that information? How do you keep your identity from being stolen and other nefarious things being done with that data? So that's what we're talking about with digital twins and how that ties into blockchain protecting us. One of the areas of that would be your medical records. You know, you don't need to give your medical records to every, uh, even uh, practitioner in the healthcare field. If you had a digital wallet, you could, you know, give what you thought was important or what they asked for. And you can always give more, but, you know, not everybody needs to have everything. I mean, why does a doctor need your social security number? Mm-hmm. My social security number. There's no reason for them to have it. Exactly. Hmm. Very interesting. Again, all of this, when we talk about it, and it, it's crazy to to piece it all together, but it does sound like a Black Mirror episode <laughs> with the digital <laughs> twins and the protecting the privacy and where it's going to go. You know, I'm a big believer that we should have a, a national security. And right now it's being done state by state. And that causes a lot of inefficiencies in the market. We should just from a sheer, you know, efficiency in the market. Just know mm-hmm. what your responsibilities are as a per, as an entity owning people's data. Hmm. Absolutely. I'm ready for lightning round if Brandy is. Okay, I guess so. I'm, I'm a little nervous. All right, Brandy. <laughs> lightning round. Lightning round is just a few questions I'd like to fire off to our guests to get to, to know them a little better on a personal note. And they're supposed to be fun. So, um, yeah, have fun with it. <laughs> All right. Finish this sentence. Women are? Wonderful. Brandy, what is a funny mistake you made when you were starting out and the story behind it? Oh, my gosh. I, I have made thousands of them. <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say this, and I don't know this is going out into the digital world. I walked down an airplane with my breast tucked in my pantyhose. <laughs> and I had been working on a presentation, and so the flight attendant like ran to stop me and got me fixed, and I turned around and I had a sticky note stuck here from uh, the work I'd been doing and didn't know it was stuck in my head. And she's like, yeah, well, we fixed that, but you got a sticky note in your head. <laughs> <laughs> All in a day's work, right? <laughs> being, being a badass tech boss, babe. Oh my gosh, I've worn two different color shoes. I mean, I've done it all. That's awesome. What is your current favorite application of Tech for Good? I like MOOCs because it gives access to education, and you can audit these classes without even paying for them and get great education. If you could start a movement that was guaranteed to go global, what would it be? Um, It would be addressing the digital divide. This stuff is moving so quickly that as human beings, it's very hard to process. So we're lucky that we're being, we have access to the information and have an opportunity to participate. I want to ensure that as many people as possible can participate because it is going to be a divide in society if we don't take care of that. If you could have dinner with anyone from history or contemporary, who would it be? The Dalai Lama. A lot of other ones, but the Dalai Lama would be the, the one that would really knock it out of the park for me. Okay, Dalai Lama, if you are listening to the We Get Real AF podcast, you have a dinner invitation standing from Brandy Matthews. 
What resources do you wish existed right now for women aspiring to be in the tech field? If I had a magic wand, um, that there would be uh, much more efficient uh, interviewing processes that they wouldn't even know if she was a woman, because we're not going to solve unconscious bias quickly. And we need to get it out of uh, the process that's holding women from getting through the cycle. Women and persons of color or anybody else that's not actively participating. There's a lot of brokenness about hiring process. What myth about women in STEM would you like to dispel? That they're not good at math. There's evidence to say that that's just, it's been where young girls got kind of pushed uh, because their communication skills were really good. About the time of adolescence, men tend to lose their communication skills for a short period of time and women don't. And so they get reinforced for that and they get pushed into more of the, the communications side of it. But there's no evidence that says that women's brains can't do math. They've been pushed another direction. What inspires you, Franny? I really like to see people do better than they thought they could do. I love that. How have you surprised yourself in your career? What have you discovered about yourself that you didn't know was a strength? My resiliency um, surprised me. I, you know, there was a time that I was a single mom and I remember watching an Oprah episode that said, you know, something about if your kids are uh, born in a single with only one parent that they're not going to do as well. And I went, what? That's not going to happen. And, you know, I have remarried, but there was a time that the three of us were just uh, three peas in a pod. And I was not going to suggest that that was going to be anything bad for them. Uh, And then the other one is when I have left bad positions or had a bad um, situation, I tend to land on my feet because it usually gets me going and I'll rocket boost after that. We've talked about learning something new every day. What do you wish to learn more about? I want to get better at writing. Um, I actually like to write. I need to get disciplined and do more writing. I, I would like to do more content-rich stuff, both on social media and in written form. Okay, finish this sentence. Success is? A lot of hard work. So um, I'd like to just cover really quick, Franny, your uh, recent accolade that you're really excited about. Can you chat a little bit about it? Well, it was a, a bit of a surprise. I was awarded the Lifetime Achievement Award for Outstanding Women in Business from the Denver Business Journal. Congratulations. Congratulations. That's amazing. It's overwhelming and it's also fun. And I am so excited that my daughters are so excited for me. Well, it's well-deserved. And we're just so excited we've had the opportunity to chat with you. You're you're electric. Like you just are so fresh and electric. I love it. I was going to say spitfire. I like your spunk and your spirit and your determination. Yes. Thank you so much, Franny. This has been a lot of fun. You guys are great. And I love that, you know, you've taken action. You've, you wanted to do something. You've taken action. You're putting a framing around it. And um, I'm really impressed. It's cool. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of We Get Real AF. We're excited to bring you the voices of amazing women and girls who are shaping the future for good. 
Please help us spread the WeGraph mission of supporting women and girls in emerging tech and science. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Our handle is at WeGetRealAF. And visit our website at www.WeGetRealAF.com. Don't forget to like, comment, and to subscribe to the podcast. We also want to give a big shout out and thanks to Sam McLean for providing sound production for the show. You can find Sam on Instagram at McLean Sounds, that's M-C-L-E-A-N-S-O-U-N-D-S, and to our voiceover artist, Veronica Horta, for her show introduction. You can find Veronica on LinkedIn by searching for Veronica Horta, H-O-R-T-A. And we want to give a special thanks to Florence Lumsden, our associate producer for the We Get Real AF podcast. You can find Flo on LinkedIn at Florence Lumsden, L-U-M-S-D-E-N, or at her website, danceandflowproductions.com. That's D-A-N-C-I-N-F-L-O Productions. We'll meet you back here next time for another great conversation about high tech with cool women. 